Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, we often hear from people that have succeeded, that have done something or gone through a process and come out the other side. But we rarely hear from people at the beginning of their journey, people who are going through the same issues that we are going through. This is why I really wanted to chat to my guest today, Lee Campbell, because she's at the beginning of her minimalist journey. She is going through all the struggles, battling a hoarding husband and dealing with the challenges of changing her habits. Those same rocky hurdles that we all face and that we all need to get over at some point. Lee and I cover a lot in this episode, how everyone's journey is different, fast fashion and the quick joys we get from shopping, decision fatigue, the link between physical clutter and mental clutter, along with the 30-day no shopping and no wearing the same outfit twice challenge that Lee is doing. Lee is honest and open about how she stuffs up sometimes and that there are still areas in her life that she needs to work on. But that is the beautiful message in this episode, that we don't need to be perfect or have things a certain way all the time, but we do need to be mindful of our actions. Because when we do things on autopilot, we numbingly fill our lives up with things we don't need. I love it how Lee is questioning the things she has in her life and doing it in her own beautiful way. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lee Campbell. Hi, Lee. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Mike. How are, you? how are you? I'm very well indeed. And you are a Campbell, but we aren't related that we know of. Is that correct? Not that we know of. Although I must tell you, my father has a book of the complete history of Campbells in Australia, so I'll have to look for you. Oh, you should. You should. I'm sure that our great, 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 great grandparents shared a beer somewhere along the lines. But, um... Definitely. Had to have. <laughs> and whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? Um, I'm in my work office, so I'm down in Circular Quay in Sydney, which isn't a terrible place to be. Oh, definitely not. You know, Circular Quay is absolutely beautiful. I, I lived in Meadowbank at one point when because um, I'm originally from Sydney, and I was mm-hmm. able to catch the ferry to work. This is when I was working at Universal there, and they were just around um, Walsh Bay kind of way. But yeah. catch, catching the ferry to work is such a beautiful way to get to work. It's a sad it was, day. It's- it's pretty nice. Often we get into the office in the morning and have to shut the blinds because the reflection off the, the opera house and the Harbour Bridge is too much. So it's a good problem to have. Ah, oh, what a problem to have. I, re- <laughs> I remember this time I was coming under the bridge and I was taking all of these photos and someone thought I was a tourist. And they're like, oh, do you want me to take a photo for you? And I'm like, yeah, not a problem. And then they started, started up this conversation with me and they're like, oh, so, you know, how long are you in Sydney for? And I said, oh, I'm actually on my way to work. They just yeah. <laughs> couldn't believe that I was taking all of this. I just appreciate where, I, where I'm from. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah. But to give a little bit of background and context for everyone today, you are the head of lifestyle at the Huffington Post Australia, and you used to be the beauty editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. But what I also love is how you have described yourself on Instagram previously, 
<laughs> one of them is that you have the body of a cheese addict and the yes. other is that you have an ambition to be a taste tester for hash browns, which I think <laughs> is lovely. Yes, both correct. Oh, look, what can I say? I love food. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'd be world. Um, so, yeah, I kind of have a bit of fun on my Twitter and my Instagram bios with them. Got you. And I, but, I, I kind of picked up that you – you don't take things too seriously all the time. Yeah, I try not to. I think um, the world is serious enough as it is at the moment and particularly, you know, getting old is is scary and boring. So I try and keep life fun when I can. And without kind of going into your full resume, how did you, I guess, get into the, the media side of things? Yeah, well, I mean, completely by accident, which um, – doesn't sound great for the poor people that are slogging away for years but I studied interior design and had always planned on doing that but then um, just fell into um, work experience at Clio back when they actually used to pay $50 cash for um, for someone to help out in the fashion cupboard and that day I went home with a job at then Shop to You Drop magazine and I've been in lifestyle for about 15 years since then. Happy days, happy days. Yes. <laughs> But I wanted to um, get you on today and chat about minimalism because I've been reading your articles over the last few months or half a year, and you've been writing a lot of stories about minimalism and living with less. And I guess there is an element of it being quite topical at the moment, but I also felt that through your stories, there was this personal journey that I was kind of picking up on and also some of the challenges that you've been doing for yourself. So I wanted to chat to you about that as I guess you're someone who is starting out and we often hear from people who have gone through a process and who have come out the other side where most people that are looking for information are at that beginning that beginning point. Sorry. Um, so I wanted to have you on and um, chat about that. So what has been some of the things that has sparked your interest in this idea of living with less? Yeah, it's such an interesting topic. I mean, first and foremost, I'm so lucky here at HuffPost. So running lifestyle department means that anyone comes up with an idea and we can kind of write a story around it. So yeah, maybe nine months ago, I was a bit like, you know, I just started to question the things I had and the reason I would go shopping and and all of the items in my life. And Luckily, with my job, I'm like, right, I'm going to interview some experts on this. And that's really when I started to kind of get into the stories about minimalism, obviously, because personally, that's where my life was headed. Um, interestingly, because I think particularly being a lifestyle editor, you're, you have a lot of things in your life, a lot of stuff. You get sent mm -hmm. samples of beauty products and homewares and, and all of these things. So a lot of things come my way um, every day. And... Coupled with the fact that I rent in Sydney, so I'm moving <laughs> every year or two, I'm always moving my stuff. So I, it was just this combination of I have so much stuff and why do I have it all and does it make me happy and do I need it? And so that's kind of where I started um, and it's been a bit of a process from there, one that I'm still very much trying to get my head around. And you, you spoke then about some sample products that you get sent, like how do you deal with that internally? Because often you don't really get the choice to yes, bring yeah. them into your life. Yeah. 
It's an interesting thing. I mean, when I first started out 15 years ago, I remember my first free product was a, a Revlon purple lipstick. It was hideous, but I thought it was so exciting because I was given it for free. Um, but I've got to say, you know, probably a couple of years ago, I stopped taking a lot of the, the samples and things home just because I had too much and I'd seen it all. But you're right, brands send products in for submission for, for jobs like this, so um, that you review them or photograph them for the publication that you work in. And you're right, it's not really optional. They're kind of sent in um, as part of the job. And that doesn't bother me so much. What does bother me is the packaging that it comes in. Mm. So you'll be sent five lipsticks in a huge box in bubble wrap, in tissue paper, in ribbon. You know, it's, it's all of that times... 50 parcels a week times, I just imagine, every office. Um, and that kind of – that really kind of – as well. I just – I was really hoping that the industry would minimise packaging. Let's talk about the products themselves later. But just packaging in itself is is so crazy. Mm. And that's another thing that I just really wanted to start minimising as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when there are, you know, companies that do that kind of social thing – and people are actually gravitating towards it. You know, I'll, I'll go for that product because there is less packaging or I will go for that product because they're donating certain parts of their, their profit. Like you look at the Thank You Corporation, it's just amazing how much growth they've had over the years. Yeah. Yeah, we love Thank You here because their message is so um, positive and they're really transparent and their products are great. And it's interesting you say that because I think the general consumer does want or is, is slowly learning um, – that we don't need this unnecessary packaging and that, you know, a brown paper bag is is fine. But interestingly, being in lifestyle media, the rise of Instagram has, has seen, you know, product submissions and things like that become more and more extravagant so that the journalist or, or the influencer it's sent to is more inclined to Instagram it. So what used to come in a brown paper bag now comes in a box with rose petals and all sorts of bells and whistles so that someone's inclined to put it on social media, which I think is... Um, a bit dangerous in terms yeah. of landfill. Wow, holy Nelly. And you spoke also about really questioning the things that you had. How did you start questioning? Interesting. Um, it's got to be, I mean, it's back to moving all the time. So my husband is a hoarder. <laughs> he loves keeping things and we've moved a couple of times now. And I think it was that last move that I just thought I – Every time you pack something into a box, I would just pick it up mindlessly and put it in the box, and I didn't really think, what is this item? Do I need it? Do I love it? Can I get rid of it? Can it be of use to somebody else? So it was really that that sort of started my um, journey, I guess. Sorry, I hate the term journey. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, my husband and I live in a two-bedroom apartment, and the second bedroom is purely for my things. It's for my clothes and, and beauty products and and I don't, we don't have a bed in there because I have so much stuff. And that I just thought that was really unnecessary and extravagant. So it's been my goal this year to get all of my clothes into the wardrobe and, and to get rid of these extra drawers and, and things so that um, we can have people stay um, and not, you know, not have all my things taking up the spare room. Yeah, and you spoke there about your husband being a little bit of a hoarder. How's it been trying to curb your ways where – he might not be coming on that journey with you because it's something that a lot of people reach out to me about and say, you know, Mike, you're really lucky that Inga wanted to do something similar, but my partner or my, my wife or my husband isn't really there with me. So how do you, 
How do you tackle that terrain without yeah. him? It's an interesting one. So again, back on, on to our last move, I kind of had enough and I and I just said, that's it, we're getting rid of everything. And there was a lot of fights because I put something in the, the pile for council cleanup and he put it back in the keep pile. And so we got through that move, still married. And recently we watched a minimalist documentary and it's the first time that he's really kind of sat down and thought about it. And so we both watched this documentary and we both took away completely different lessons which I thought was really cool. And so I applied what I learned from it to what I'm trying to work on and he's actually gone away and gone, okay, I don't need to keep, you know, 30 um, 1970s tennis rackets that I collect. (laughs) So he kept the five nicest, most valuable ones and donated the rest. So he's kind of gone and applied it to his life in a different way that I would, but that's I'm happy that he's on this journey, however it looks for him, as long as it results in less stuff for us. And I think that's a great point that you've made there, that that the journey for everyone is quite individual. And even if you're living in the same house and you watch the same great documentary, people can take their own little things away from it. I know that the things that, that I've grown from through this process are quite different to the things that Inga has taken away from them as well. But what are some of the things that you've tried to do in your own life to push you down this path? Well, good question. I'm doing the 30-day challenge, which I know you've seen on my Instagram, and I did this years ago when I had a blog, and it's part of the 30-day challenge is no shopping for 30 days, which you think would be easy, but it goes to show how mindless you can be when it comes to spending money, particularly with online shopping, because I'm halfway through now, and I've seen a few little treats I'd like to buy online, and I I realized that prior to that, I would have just bought them, but um, and not really thought about it, and really thought if I needed them and the other part of it is not wearing the same clothing twice so the idea of that is to go through your wardrobe and actually wear the things you have and if you can't wear them within that 30 days then why have you got them you know Mm. and that's aside from you know fancy dresses and and occasion dressing but you know why do I have 20 pairs of jeans Mm. I probably only like four and if I'm not going to wear them within that 30 days I should donate them um you know get rid of them Mm. so that's the mission I'm on at the moment and it's tough because it's hard. I'm going through this bulging wardrobe trying to find something I want to wear and it's bizarre that I have so many things yet I feel like I have nothing. It's an unusual feeling. Well, there's so much choice there and I think that was one of the, the big things that, that I've learned as well. Taking away the choice makes things so much easier and and when you talk about like 30 pairs of je- jeans or even four pairs of jeans, like you know which ones look good on you. Like you never stand in front of your wardrobe and go, you know what, I, I want to look my fourth best today. That's exactly Absolutely. <laughs> and also what I found is that there's 20 pairs of jeans in there, but I bought 15 of them for the wrong reasons. I bought them because it was payday or mm. I wasn't feeling good or there was a sale. And so it's also going back to the reason why I've added this many things into my wardrobe in the first place and it's not because it was really well made or that I really needed it but it's it's obviously that quick joy I get from shopping that has ended me up in this position so it's hence the no shopping as well as clearing out the wardrobe. And do you think that you'll be able to curb that? Um, I think it's going to be a process. I mean uh, this rainy weekend just in Sydney I had nothing on um, and I really wanted to shop. Um, and when I'm not shopping, I'm normally eating junk food. So it's, it's interesting to 
to look at yourself and look at your habits and think, okay, well, why do I fill my time with either shopping or eating? Mm. Um, so I, I think it'll be a journey of of just thinking why. And at the end of the day, if I want the shoes because they're well made, I need them. You know, I think that they'll add value, then I'll buy them. It's mm. you know, I'm not going to end up with five things in my wardrobe. That's just not me, and it's not the the job I have. I'm, my job's quite social, and I need to look a certain way. So I think just more than however many items I end up with, it's more understanding why I buy the things, why I get the things. And like speaking about, you know, the social aspect to your job and, and being in media and I, I'm gathering that there is an element of kind of keeping up with appearances. How, how do you juggle that with also having a minimalist kind of inkling? Mm. That's a good question and something I'm still trying to work out. You know, I think for the past few years, it's so interesting. I chat to my girlfriends and I think, oh, what are you going to wear to this wedding on the weekend? And you think, oh, I can't wear that. It's already been on Instagram, you know. So how ridiculous that we're really into this culture whereby we wear something once and if it's been seen on social media, we can't wear it again. And I think, yeah, I mean, this fast fashion trend is becoming the norm and so I'm I guess trying to shop smarter and buy more classic pieces that I can wear again and mix with other pieces so I don't know I mean that's the part I've still got to figure out but at the end of the day who cares if someone sees me in a dress that I wore two weeks ago oh 100% and you know what I don't think people will even pick up on it yeah I think that we worry so much about what other people think but really they're too busy thinking about themselves anyway yeah it actually reminds me of this um article that I I remember reading a couple of years ago now and she was actually maybe like the creative director of Vogue in New York and Mm -hmm. she went out and bought in a sense, a uniform. And it was this beautiful white blouse, I think a a black jacket and a a skirt, and it was classic. And she might've had two or three of them and just wore the same thing every day. Well, Monday to Friday to work. So she didn't have to kind of go through that thought process each morning. Yeah, sure. I've been reading a lot about uniform dressing, which is really interesting. And, you know, my job is very fast paced as well. So once I'm into the office, it's all go, go, go. And so the whole concept of decision fatigue I, I can see the appeal of wearing a uniform. I don't think I'm quite there, but I think also as I age, I'm kind of developing a style anyway whereby I wear a lot of the similar a similar looks or similar aesthetics. kind of just happens naturally as I'm more aware of my shopping and the things that I own. Mm. And, and through this whole journey, what are some of the challenges that you've, you've faced? Um, good question. Well, I, I, one of the another journalist, she's a publisher next door at Allure Media. She's doing it with me, and so she forwarded me a sale last week. <laughs> Up to shop, and I thought, oh yeah, come on, let's just buy a cheeky little treat, and then we won't tell anyone. And then I just thought, how ridiculous! If I can't go thirty days without buying something new, when I've told you know the world, social media, that I'm going to do this, then what what kind of hold does shopping have over me? or buying these new things. And it wasn't the fact that any of the items that I saw on the website that I wanted, it was just that I wanted the thrill of the actual process of purchasing something, mm. which I think is really interesting. It is. Um, and, so and just quietly, of, you also need to get a different accountability buddy because if your mm. friend is, is the one sending you the sales well, email, the good news is n- neither her nor I purchased anything that day, but I've kind of felt hard done by by the, my own rules that I'd put in place. Um, so, I mean, that's one challenge. 
it's it's just um yeah, it's really interesting. I just I, I realize I do a lot of things on autopilot, so it's more just um, trying to be aware of what and why I do what but, the things I do. Yeah, and but that awareness is a really good, you know, tipping point because it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but at least now you're you're bringing that into your thoughts and going, okay, we might need to curb a few things here, and it's not going to be a hundred percent tomorrow, but at least yeah, I'm trying to steer it in it. the right direction. Yeah, and I think just, you know, it's all about taking baby steps and if I do go out and buy something, that's fine. I, you know, I'm never not going to shop again. But it's it's also just, I mean, I spent the first weekend of the whole challenge cleaning out as much of my wardrobe as I could and the house. You know, I had we had that much mismatched Tupperware and random vases and, you know, all that stuff that just takes up cupboards that you don't need and all the things in my wardrobe that I was keeping in case I was going to a dress-up party when I haven't been to a dress-up party in a decade. So I got rid of a lot of that um, just stuff. And the feeling at the end of that weekend was so amazing. I felt really clear. I had lots of clarity. I was excited for the week ahead. So I think that whole kind of physical clutter, mental clutter um, link is really definitely there. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, you bring up that that mental clutter. You've been beautifully open um, about depression in the past yes. or, or as you yes. like to call it a little bit of sadness that sits on your shoulder but yes. have you noticed this minimalism journey and some of the new habits that you're you're trying to form have had a, a positive effect on mental health absolutely and i've noticed that it's all um related much closer than i probably had realized in the past and that i use objects or shopping um as a way to cheer myself up often when that just doesn't work. You know, you're spending money and it, and it works for half an hour and then that's it. And so what I've realized more than buying new things is actually looking after the things I have, you know, cleaning the house, making the house feel really nice and, and warm and friendly and tidy and it makes my mind feel tidy. And it's not to the point where I'm anal about it and um, a crazy cleaner or anything like that, but I just realized that if I take care of, where I live physically, it's kind of like taking care of your mind at the mm. same time. It's, it's so interesting that you, I feel like Inga is, I'm having this conversation with Inga right now because <laughs> that's exactly where she's at. And it's not about being anal or OCD about anything, but for her, it really is this clean physical space and a clean mental space and the last kind of three weeks here in Newcastle and Sydney it's been non-stop rain and mm. so there's just certain things that you can't do and whether that be the way that you usually do your washing or there's just a little bit more kind of dirt in the house because it's just wet outside and I've yes. noticed a huge change in her in these three weeks um, and it, a lot of it has to do with that physical space but then that's Absolutely. kind of affecting her mental space as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting you say that because I kind of use these rainy weeks to really nest. So we've been inside, you know, we only have a very small balcony, so you're kind of locked into your apartment. And so instead of getting cabin fever, I was like, right, I'm using this time to keep going with this journey and clearing things out, clearing out the bathroom cabinet, you know. Am I going to read this stack of books on my bedside table or should I just have one there that I'm reading at the moment? So it's kind of nice because you're forced inside, so you're forced to either – address it or feel suffocated by it so it's it's made me address it even faster yeah that's so good and like when i talk to people about this wanting to change or this willingness to change and try something new a lot of it's come from this feeling of being 
swamped and this heaviness and this tiredness and this go, go, go. And that notion of being on the ball and busy 24 seven and like with your job and all the functions that you need to go to in the events, how do you, how do you manage that manicness that, that is kind of out of your control? Like how do you manage that internally? Yeah, I'm not great at that. I have to admit, I'm something that I'm definitely trying to work on. I mean, I'm very type A. I like to be extremely organized. I'm very much the organizer of my group's social things. So I kind of make my own life more difficult in that way, in that my work um, life is very busy, but also so is my social life. Um, And every year I always say, okay, I'm going to slow down, learn to say no to things, but it's just not really within my nature. But I know that's to my detriment. I'm not a very good sleeper. I get, um, you know, maybe four or five hours a night. And so that's, again, I feel like if I'm starting with the physical things, that it it will bring that kind of more minimal approach to hopefully all of my life, not just the things that I own, but um, what I do with my time. Mm. And you, you speak about only four hours sleep there. Is that because you can't sleep or that you've just got so much on? Uh, it's, I'm just apparently don't need that much sleep, unfortunately, but I wish that I did. So I can always get to sleep, but I'm, I'm up from about three and then maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I'll go back to sleep, but my husband likes to get up and go to the gym at five 30. So then I'm up and you know what? I, I function fine, but I just think that, you know, I could probably do more things to help myself. I don't put my device down. You know, I should take it an hour before bed to put my phone down, but of course I don't. And I blame that on work. I say to my husband, oh, I've got to see what's happening on social media for work. But really, I don't. I don't need to do that at 9 o'clock at night. So it's interesting in my job, I write about all the things you should do, but I don't necessarily apply them to my life. So Mm. this kind of phase I'm going through is about practicing what I preach at work. And, you know, HuffPost has such a great wellness and lifestyle section about how to look after yourself, how to refresh your life. So I'm kind of writing about it, but then I'm actually going to do it. And I think that's a a great thing because there's nothing worse than knowing what to do or knowing what to try because everyone's going to be different no matter what and everyone's kind of got different lives but there's there's nothing worse than than knowing those things and and not putting them in, into practice but I think it's so good that you are going to be doing that and I I also think that you're in the great a great industry in a, with a job that you could try these different things each month and force yourself into doing that for work because it seems yeah, exactly. that you, you it do things for work. It kind of holds me accountable, I think, because, you know, we do preach it so much here at HuffPost, so it, it's it's almost not right to not try to apply it to my own life. Having said that, I find it hard. You know, life is busy. It's hard to wind down when you've been on the go all day, and I feel like it's a bit of an epidemic that we, we're all running around all day and then we're watching TV while we're playing on our phones, while we're cooking dinner, you know, and the washing machine's going and we're doing all of these things and then we get into bed and expect to fall asleep. And if we're not asleep in 20 minutes, we're frustrated. Oh, 100%. And if we know what to do, it's so hard to apply it to a regular day. Well, I think though that for me anyway, applying those things it it was a challenge in it because sometimes those things make life a little bit easier for example like I don't have email on my phone and I haven't for a couple of years mind you one of those years I was traveling overseas so it makes life a little bit easier but now but now when I'm 
working in Sydney and, and also up here in Newcastle, there are times when having my email on my phone would make things a little bit easier for me. But I choose not to do it because I know the other side of that coin as well. I'll just, yeah. I'll flick at it on a weekend. So now when I'm doing emails or I'm doing work, I'm intentionally sitting down to do it. It's not this half on the go and it's interfering with yes. other parts of my life because I feel yeah. that sometimes we we think we're being really productive and we think that we're multitasking, but we're not. I, I found that too. You think you're multitasking, but you're actually double handling. So you read a, an email on Saturday that came through and you don't reply to it, but you're kind of half thinking about it all weekend until you get to the office and reply on Monday. And so you're not actually um, handling it at the time. So it ends up being double handling and also steals away part of, you know, being in the present of whatever you were doing at that time. And so I find that really interesting. I'd love to take some of the um, apps and notifications off my phone, but for some reason there's sort of a bit of a fear factor. I don't know why. I guess it's a bit of missing out. I'm not sure, but I'm um, very envious that you've managed to do that. Well, the good thing is, though, you can always try it and then if it doesn't work you put them back on. It's not like yes. the notifications are gone forever. Yeah, true. Um, but before I do get into my final question, I actually need to ask you about your cat because <laughs> I I love there's, – there's a breed of dog called yes. um, uh, the Australian Shepherd and they, yes. they have this beautiful kind of motley blues and the, these lovely tricolors. And I, I saw your cat on your Instagram feed – and it yes. looks like one of these Australian shepherds, but it was a cat. Yes, monster. She's a rescue cat, so I'm, I'm really big on animals. I don't eat them because I love them. Um, and so she came from the Sydney Dogs and Cats home. I um, Two years ago, I begged my husband for, if I could please get a cat. So we went and rescued her. We saw her little photo on Facebook one Saturday. They put her up. She was six weeks old. And we went and got her, and she's just the most divine beautiful, beautiful cat. And she was found on the side of the road. So that's why I'm such an advocate for rescuing animals because you've never seen a more affectionate animal. So you don't have to go purebred to get to get a lovely animal and save someone's life. And she is so, so beautiful. <laughs> but like speaking of that, so you've, you know, obviously animals are quite dear to your heart and, mm -hmm. and you're a vegetarian. Have you always been a vegetarian? No, quite the opposite. I was like a cheeseburger fiend until, strangely, about three years ago I read a physics book. So it had nothing to do with animals, but it was called, oh, God, what's it called? I'll have to get the name for you. But it, it was about how all, all energy fields are linked between, you know, you and I and somebody in Canada and, and everyone. It made no reference to eating animals, but what I took from that book was that um, animals have an energy field and obviously they're sentient beings and have feelings and that book started me on a journey of YouTubing, factory farming and watching all of those documentaries and I went down such a rabbit hole that I couldn't um, couldn't kind of turn back, which I regretted for a little while because I really missed my cheeseburgers. But I think if you um, look deeply enough into that topic that you learn so much that you can't look at meat the same way. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's um, you know, I I absolutely love meat, but the whole notion of the amount of energy that kind of goes into farming cattle and all that kind of stuff, and then also a lot of the information that I'm reading lately, which is you know, sports athletes about mm -hmm. um plant diets and, yeah, and how I mean, they're look they're still getting that extreme 
um, ability to kind of do work? Yeah, there's a vegan athlete called Rick Roll. We did a story on him a few weeks ago and he's in his 50s. He looks exceptional and he's a he does all of these triathlons or whatever even is harder than a triathlon. I'm not sure what they're called, but he's incredible. And the thing is I started to look into it because I cared about the animals and then I learned about the environment and then I learned about, you know, the health for humans. So there's kind of a three-pronged approach to being vegetarian. So it's kind of win, win, win. Mm. Um, so it was kind of a no-brainer for me, much to the um, dismay of my Greek husband who loves meat, <laughs> but even he's down to maybe one portion of meat a week. So I'm getting in there. That is so good. I, I'm starting to feel a little bit sorry for him. He's he's losing his <laughs> all of his possessions and he's losing his love of meat. Absolutely. But he's more enlightened. Yeah. Um, Rick also has an amazing podcast, which I'll link to in the show notes here as well for people. But um, Lee, my final question for today, and it is one that I do ask everybody at the end of the podcast, and that is, could you please describe your perfect day? Oh, wow. Um, I can. Oh, it's so cheesy because it kind of happens every weekend. My husband makes me a coffee first thing in the morning because I'm not a nice person without my coffee. So he comes in with the cat and the coffee um, and then we would probably go to the gym. That part I don't love so much, but I like the feeling after. So I kind of try to pay it forward. Um, and then I love going to brunch. It's one of my favorite things. There must be avocado in some form. Um, and then I like going on adventures. We often, we call it adventure day and we do it every Sunday where we just drive somewhere we don't normally go. And so yesterday we went to Marrickville Markets, which is some unreal organic food markets in Sydney. And we've got our um, food shop for the day and we got some little succulents that I'm going to try really hard to keep alive, even though I'm not very good at with plants. Um, and then I love a nap. My ideal day definitely has a nap in the afternoon, probably because I'm not a great sleeper during the evenings. Um, and then just relaxing. A bath every day for me has a bath or six out of seven days. I must have a bath. Um, yeah, that's probably it. Probably a bit cheesy that it's actually part of my real life, but I try and use my weekends to recharge as much as possible. That sounds perfect. It really does. <laughs> and if if you can't keep succulents alive, Lee, there, there really is a deeper conversation there because they're pretty hardy. <laughs> I know. That's why, I mean, I killed my mint plant. I killed my basil plant, so I'm going back to basics succulents so you better wish them luck because I'm worried for them I also love the fact that you go to the gym to pay it forward to your future self that is beautiful yeah I hate the gym it's awful but 45 minutes I just go so slow but the endorphins you get at the end you know yada 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 so I try and you know I know it'll make me feel better for the rest of the day but I'm definitely not one of the per those people that enjoys the actual workout well, Lee, thank you again for this uh, great chat. And if people do want to reach out to you and learn a little bit more about your journey or follow your articles or even maybe learn a little bit more about vegetarian kind of lifestyle, what's the best yes. way for them to do that? Um, they can follow me on either Twitter or Instagram. So my handle is Lee A. Campbell on both of those platforms. Happy days. Well, I'll make sure that I, I link to all those in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Is there anything that I've missed out here or is, or is there any kind of key takeaway that you want to give people before we say our goodbyes? Yeah, I think just, um, I mean, it sounds like I preach a lot of stuff that I'm really only just learning about. I'm learning about vegetarianism and minimalism. I can't even say it. Um, but I just think people should just learn. I mean, I, I feel like you don't need to apply all of these things to your life, but just be curious. Just We've got this Google in our phone, in our pocket. 
So if you ever wonder anything about, just Google it and then just read up, be educated and go from there. Mm. Great words. I actually, I, I 100% agree with that because I feel that if you have an inkling with anything, you can you can find out the answers and there's always there's always someone that's done it before you and you can just learn from the steps that, that they've taken. Absolutely. But, you don't need to say, Mom, Dad, why did this happen? Because I feel like when growing up, all I did was ask my parents all these questions and now you've got the answers in your phone, so why not use it? 100%. But thank you for that, Lee, and thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.